Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You are now entering the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, a show that uncovers what's fact, what's fake, and what's fun in the crazy world of pseudo-archaeology. Hello and welcome to the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, episode 107. And I am your host, Dr. Andrew Kinkella. Tonight, we deal with 2012, the Maya apocalypse, 10 years later, after we were all destroyed. So, here we are, 10 years after 2012, in early 2023. I am recording this on January the 2nd, Monday of 2023. That will be important in just a little bit. So, 10 years on, it's funny, as a Mayanist myself, I got so many questions on this in 2011 and leading into 2012. I mean, this was probably one of the top three things that people would ask me in terms of archaeology. And so I thought we would take a moment and kind of delve into it because last time I destroyed you all with, well, with the stupidest thing I could think of, which was Maya astronauts. So I thought for today we could, well, we could we could go on a path of healing, my friends, back to some sort of some sort of balance. Okay, I'm I'm here for you. So 2012, the idea with this is that according to Maya prophecy, that the world would end on December 21st, 2012. And that's because the Maya calendar foretold that the world would end. It was a cataclysmic, apocalyptic end date. There would be no more after this December 21st, 2012 date. How do we know this? Well, through the highly intelligent, focused, and scientific ideas of things such as alignments, numerology, and astrology. You know, some of my favorites. <sighs> so why did this come in the first place? It is true that there is an important moment in the Maya calendar on December 21st, 2012, and I'll tell you what that is in a moment. But did the Maya mean that the world would end then? Say it with me. No! It was just a cyclical end. And when a cycle ends, guess what happens the next day? A new cycle begins. But that's not enough for our pseudo-archaeology friends. 
they were telling us that according to their alignments, numerology, astrology, and other similar deep dives into research, that on this day there would be things like super volcanoes that would explode. There would be geomagnetic reversals. There was a Planet X out there. Do you guys remember that? The Planet X thing? The Planet X would swoop by or crash into us, depending. There would be odd gravity fluctuations. I mean, man, it was every single pseudo-archaeology thing. There was like aliens would come. It was all of them. It really was a kitchen sink approach to this. It was basically because people didn't understand how the Maya calendar worked and wouldn't listen to people like me who knew how it worked and could easily tell you. They just dug a hole of ignorance for themselves and then filled it in with magical thinking. And how often in pseudo-archaeology is that exactly what happens? There's this hole of ignorance. And a lot of times the ignorance is chosen. You know what I mean? A lot of times people know better, but they don't want to know better. So instead of filling that hole of ignorance with actual knowledge, they fill it with magical thinking. And did the world end December 21st, 2012? Well, I'm going to give you this one. No. No, it didn't. It, it kept going. Now, there was a little joke I had for myself on December 21st, 2012, and that's this. There were two different correlations between the Maya calendar and our calendar. That's sort of how the two calendars go together. Most Mayanists thought that December 21st, 2012 was the actual date of this ending of the cycle. But a few of us thought it was actually two days later, December 23rd. And so I thought, wouldn't it be funny if once December 21st rolls on, everyone relaxes and goes, shoo, well... Thank God the world didn't end. But then 48 hours later, right? Oh, it was December 23rd. Oh, 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 damn. Duh, stupid end of the world. So what do we mean by, by cycles? The, the Maya calendar and the calendar is really complicated. And we'll do a bit of a deep dive into it in the next segment. But the Maya calendar operates on cycles. And the Maya numbering system is a base 20 numbering system. So it's cycles of 20. So you have numbers like 1, 20, 400. And then the next one, of course, would be 8,000. But the highest cycle in the calendar that the Maya go up to is 400 years. So what you had at the end of December 21st, 2012, was the end of the 12th. 400 year cycle in the Maya calendar. And then December 22nd, 2012 would be the beginning of the 13th 400 year cycle. Pretty cool. You know, really, really interesting. Now, did the Maya actually predict that the world would end at the end of cycle 12? No, they never wrote that down. Never, ever, not ever anywhere. Right. Would it have been an important date for the Maya? Wasn't it an important date for the modern Maya? Sure it was. It's a big time for celebration. It's this end date. It's, it's a big change in the calendar. It's exactly the same as Y2K. 
right? It's exactly the same as that was for us. Uh, December 31st, 1999 becomes January 1st, 2000. You have a big change in the thousandth place. A one becomes a two, right? The same thing for the Maya. In the 400-year cycle, the 12 becomes a 13, right? There's only a handful of people on Earth who get to experience that. And many of us listening to this now are lucky enough to have experienced both. I experienced the Y2K thing and I experienced the 2012 thing. Good for us for being born at the time when a huge date range was about to end and change. When we come back, the real history of the Maya calendar and the deal with 2012. Everybody, Chris Webster here to talk about one of the latest supporters to the Archaeology Podcast Network, The Motley Fool. Now, I've been investing in the stock market through various applications for a few years now, and everybody who's listening to this can benefit from that sort of investment for the long-term financial planning. And also, I know the host of these podcasts can benefit because as archaeologists, like none of us get retirement, <laughs> we all have to kind of fend for ourselves. So investing in the stock market is a good idea, but not everybody can do it. And look, we get it. The market is complicated and confusing, and to many of us, it simply doesn't makes sense. In fact, where do you even start? Take all of the guesswork out of it with the Motley Fool Stock Advisor. The Motley Fool has been around for over 25 years and has been spot on in recommending some of the world's most important companies before they hit the big time. I'm talking about Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, Starbucks, all before they exploded in value. With their easy to use and super informative service, Stock Advisor, you could join the ranks before they potentially find the next big thing. After all, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And no need to be intimidated by financial jargon or market complexities. As the name suggests, these guys don't take themselves too seriously. Now, finances, that's a different story. Their friendly and relaxed approach has helped over 700,000 people move closer to financial independence, all while beating the market and having fun. New members can access Stock Advisor for only $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the full list price. Don't sit on the sidelines and think about what could have happened. Visit fool.com slash APN to start your investing journey today. That's $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. So again, check the link in the show notes of this episode. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 107. And we have been talking about the end of the world 2012. And we have risen from the ashes and are still here. Congratulations. So I thought I'd take a little bit of time here and talk about the Maya calendar, like how it works, how the Maya reckon time. And as an archaeologist, I always like the idea of time and how we as human beings reckon it, how we measure this kind of immeasurable thing, right? We can look at time as linear, uh, going from one day to the next, kind of counting things up. Our years are linear. You know, this year is 2023. It just began 
next year will be 2024 and so on forever. You also have cyclical time where it's just cycles that repeat and repeat and repeat or months, you know, it goes January through December and then it repeats forever. And so in most calendar systems, you have a, a combo of these. Sometimes one takes precedence over the other. Farming societies tend to be a bit more cyclical for obvious reasons. They want to know when to plant and the harvesting harvesting cycle is really important for them. And some are more linear. We in our kind of Western thought are pretty linear in the way that we mark time. It's so funny when we when we talk about time, me as an archaeologist, I also have a hobby of like collecting watches and I, I just enjoy this whole human watch measuring thing. One of my first podcasts here was on the Antikythera mechanism, which is a way of measuring time, right? This ancient device. So how did the Maya do it? Well, as I said before, they go with base 20. It's different for us because we're base 10. So first, we want to have a good appreciation for how the Maya use base 20 in their calendar system. Now, first off, before we even go forward, when they use base 20, it's actually 0 to 19 rather than 1 to 20. Isn't that weird? But it will actually make sense if you think of places, if you think of number places. So if I'm counting between 0 and 19, that's in kind of the first place. Like if we think of squares from bottom to top, at the bottom, let's say I have 15 things, I'll put a 15 there. But if I have 21, I'll put two in the top one in the second box and a one below. And that's how it works if it makes sense. It's hard to paint that picture in your mind, but you go up through 19 in each box. And then once it gets to 20, you put a zero and you put a one in the 20s box above. So when you're at 399, the boxes below are like all full. And then you go up one to the 400s box, a one there. It's it's hard to explain, but as I, I know it's awkward, but I bring that up in its own awkward way just to start to crack the code a little bit of how the Maya would think. They would count up things up through 19 and then move forward. We count up things through nine and then go to the tens if that makes sense. It's a little bit different way of looking at things. So that matters in their calendar. More on the numbering thing in a second. The Maya have not one, not two, but three calendars. They are the 260-day calendar, the 365-day calendar, and the long count calendar. So three, and they're all operating at the same time. The 260 day is often referred to as like the ritual almanac. It's comprised of 20 days and 13 numbers. And how this works is both of those things start counting at the same time. So 
you have the first 13 days that go with the first 13 numbers and you're like, okay, that's fine. But then when you get to day 14, it gets a number one and you go on from there. And so you have a day name and a number, right? And they're Maya names. Like it, like you'll say something like one, a how or something like that. You'll, you'll say the number first. How this works is it takes 260 days to get back to your original day one, number one, right? Because the permutations I have to go through because they're odd. You have this 20 and this 13 counting. So you have you have 260 permutations of the 20 days and 13 numbers that, that, that count forward. I know it's kind of I know it's kind of weird and wacky, but that's how that works. That is the oldest of the Maya calendars. Been around a long time. It's a bit more symbolic. You know, you, you would want to know that day of your birth. It would people of this day are like this, right? That kind of thing. It might have a bit of an astrological tinge to it, but that's the oldest one. After that, they added on a 365, which is is 365 like ours, except it counts up completely different. The 365-day calendar, which the Maya called the Hob, has 18 months, not 12, but 18 months of 20 days each. So that counts up. We have month one of 20 days, then month two of 20 days. And actually, remember that zero to 19 thing I said before? Each month basically has day zero up to day 19. So you have day zero, day one, day two, day three. And the zero day is called the seeding of. Like if the month name name is called a, the month Pope, it'll be like the seeding of Pope. And then it'll be Pope one, Pope two, Pope three. So you have 18 months with 20 days. Now, if you do the math, you're like, Kinkello, that adds up to 360. What's up with that? Well, the Maya knew that. So at the very end of the year, they would add on five days. And those five days were called the YM. The unlucky days. So, and you have sort of negative connotation with the days of the Yeb at the end, right? Now, to make things even harder, if you put the 260-day calendar and the 365-day calendar together, and let's say you start them all at day one, right? You start, you start the 260-day day one of the 20 days and number one of the 13, you start the 365 at month one of 18 at day one of 20. It takes 52 years for it to reach all the way back to kind of one, 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 right. To, to cycle out and to reset itself 52 years. And that in the my world is called the calendar round. So you would have a celebration at the end of a 52 year calendar round. And actually what just came to me is I'm 50 years old. You guys pretty soon, dude, I'm going to experience a calendar round. Oh my God. I got to have a party for that one. Now I know I've probably destroyed your mind and that's okay. These calendars are cyclical and they just, they go and go forever, right? The never-ending rounds of 52. On top of all that, calendar number three is the long count. Now, the long count calendar is simply a count of the days since a mythical start day of August 13th, 3114 BC. It could have also been August 11th, 3114 BC. Remember the two-day thing? So what do I mean by mythical start date? This means that the Maya 
didn't actually start it in 3114 BC. They didn't go, this is day one. They probably started it a couple cycles in, a couple 400 year cycles in, and then talked about the past, right? That actually makes a bit more sense historically. But what's great about the long count is it just counts up the days. And so what I mean by that is today would be like day 1,456,569 since the beginning of time. Tomorrow will be day 1,456,670 since the beginning of time. You get what I mean? It, it just goes day by day. You just count one day at a time from the start point thousands of years ago. So each day just has a number. That's it. But how do they record their numbers? They record it in their cyclical base 20 way. So the cycles are for the long count. You have the 400-year cycle that we already talked about. Then you have the 20-year cycle. Then you have the year. Then you have the month. Then you have the day. So it's five things for the long count. And it's all just done by numbers, right? So today could be 13, 400 years to 20 years, 14 years, six months, and four days since the beginning of time. And you can do the math if you really want. In the Maya world, the 400-year cycle is called the Baktun. That's the big one, right? That's the 2012 situation, a change of a Baktun. And for the Maya, for 2012, Baktun 12 became Baktun 13. So we're currently living in Baktun 13. The Katun is the 20-year cycle. If you remember back to last time, the horrific idea of Maya astronauts, the good part was that King Pakal was a three cartoon lord, right? He ruled for over 60 years. Three twenties, three cartoons. So you have the baktun for 400s, the cartoons for 20s, the tune is a year, a single year. And what I always thought was cool is the word tune also means stone, right? So stone and year use the same word. Then you have the winal, which is the 20 day month. And then you have the keen, which is a day. So Baktuns, Katuns, Tunes, Weenals, and Keens. And in each of those, if you list them from top to bottom, Baktun at the top and Keen at the bottom, you can just put like uh, dots in each as to how many there are. So you can record it really easily. By the way, if you want to record from 0 to 19, the Maya numbering scheme is you use dots from 1 to 4 and then a bar equals 5. So the highest recorded number you would need would be 19, which would be three bars, four dots. You never get four bars because you go up to the next level and you just put a single dot in, in base 20. So that's how the base 20 system works with bars and dots. Isn't that crazy? And if you think more basically, you could draw this out on the ground just using rocks and sticks. So I could see Maya people, you know, Maya kids, I could see Maya kids, you know, figuring things out with their friends using using like sticks and stones, literally, to figure out how much they got. And you can use very big numbers really easily, right, in, in this world, because you just go up the place, you can get to 8000 really easily, and so on, and so forth. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard that the Maya had the idea of zero, they totally did. You've heard me say it a bunch of times, zero through 19. And zero is often 
symbolized with like this shell looking thing or sometimes you just leave it out or sometimes there'd even be like an x just to show that there's nothing here so it the idea of zero is super important as you see if you're doing zero through 19 if you're doing these counting in base 20 places things so with this entire calendar system how do you write it down the long count the 365 and the 260 well what you're ultimately going to have in the maya world is seven things to write down for us we have four things what i mean by that is today the damn recording this is January 2nd, 2023. So there's three things right there. January 2nd. So it's the 2nd of January. And it's the year 2023. It is also a Monday. So it's four things. See what I'm saying? The Maya have seven. Each day, they're going to record the Baktun, the Katun, the Tun, the Weenal, and the Kin, the five things of the long count. Then they're going to add a hieroglyphic for the 260 day and a hieroglyphic for the 365. So seven things, right? Each day has that. So what makes it great for archaeology is when the Maya recorded this stuff in stone, we get to know the exact day when that happened. Oh my God, that's from, you know, Baktun 10, whatever, you know, and then, and then so on. And it's like, oh, that corresponds to, 926 AD. It was January 3rd. Isn't that great? So we're really lucky that the Maya recorded stuff in this kind of depth with their calendar system. When we return, my thoughts on 2012. If you couldn't have got those already. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 107. And we have been discussing the Maya Apocalypse 2012. And you know, you guys, as one who experienced this from tons of people just asking me in, in real curiosity, which I don't mind, you know, I, I love talking about this kind of stuff and what it really means. And I do have to say, I mean, 98 people out of 100 who asked me about 2012, they were just curious about the reality of the situation. They knew it wasn't the end of the world or any of that BS, but they were curious about the background. So I told them versions of what I've said in this podcast so far. But when I think about it, I find the 2012 apocalypse thing really interesting in terms of the world of pseudo-archaeology, because check it out. Here's one fake pseudo-archaeology idea that was 100% proved wrong. We made it through 2012. Nothing happened. Right? We can prove it 100%. And these are rare, right? 
Think about it. I can't think of off the top of my head any others that we've talked about here so far that are like this because stuff like Atlantis, you know, the pick your poison. Atlantis is never really 100% proven wrong. Like we know there's no such thing as Atlantis and it's just a bunch of BS, but you can always go, maybe it's under there. Maybe you're just looking in the wrong place. You know, you can, you can do that. You can always do this or maybe it is thing, you know, playing on magical thinking. You can't with the Maya 2012 apocalypse. It did not happen. It's not open ended like so many of these. It is an open and shut case. It's done. It's over. Didn't happen. They were wrong. Right. But think about how many people said it would. Right. The ancient aliens crowd, every pseudo archaeologist out there, all that stuff I listed at the top of the podcast. They were all spouting stuff about, oh, the super volcanoes are going to explode and the earth is going to tilt off its axis when planet X comes by. Right. Graham Hancock was a part of this crap. They all did this crap. But, you know, where's the retraction? Where's where's the admission of fault? You know, where's the where's the apology now? I'm not here to demand an apology, you know, in this world of of over apologizing. I'm not into that, but I want just an admission of fault. I want to be like, hey. We thought that the 2012 thing was going to happen and it didn't and we were wrong. Do you ever hear that? We are the guilty party. No. You never hear it. They never say that they got it wrong, right? They just move straight on to their next abomination. That's what the pseudo-archaeology crowd does, right? This whole thing is so symbolic of what we have to put up with with this stuff, right? I mean, think about it on the other side, right? When the shoe's on the other foot, what if... I'm wrong. You know, me as an archaeologist, pseudo archaeology crowd, they pay nothing. They just let it go and move on. For me, as an archaeologist, I have to be right here. Wait, let me add it up. Let me add it up. Uh, oh, yeah. Every time. <laughs> I have to be right all the times. What, what, what about when I'm wrong? And sometimes I am wrong, right? And I, I'm honest about it. And I'm like, ooh, I got that one a little bit wrong. And I have to change my story. And the reason why I changed my story is because new evidence comes up, right? That's how good science works. Sometimes stuff comes up and you're like, oh, we were a little wrong here. This is, this is what we think now because new evidence came. If I just am a tick wrong, the pseudo-archaeology crowd goes, see, what do you know, you so-called professor? Oh, my God. Right. Even though I act in good faith and go, oh, we found this new data and this is different. They never let it go. Right. They just get to get off scot free while I pay the price every time. And I want to let that sink in for a minute. You see how unequal it is. How the archaeology side. Plays in good faith. And the pseudo-archaeology side doesn't. And it also shows you to get sort of more deeper and philosophical into this whole pseudo-archaeology thing. 
it shows you why when an archaeologist or any kind of scientist has a quote unquote debate with a pseudo archaeologist, you see how the scientific person has lost before they started because the science person has everything to lose and the pseudo archaeology person has nothing to lose. You know, they can just, again, go on to their next abomination at any time because like I said, like I said earlier, you know, the pseudo archaeology world is a gigantic chasm of ignorance that's filled with magical thinking. Subject to change at any time. I don't get to have that. I have to go based on science. I have to go based on good sense. And if it sounds like I'm complaining. It's because I am. <laughs> but at the end of all this. Truth, facts, and good sense ring clear. We're still here, my friends. 2012 didn't happen. The Maya never said it would. And welcome to Bakhtune 13. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, Feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.